Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Thursday, October 19th. Coming up, a Kansas News Service investigation has found that officers at a Topeka prison mocked and refused to help an injured woman who then had to spend weeks in the hospital. We'll hear why prisoners say the healthcare system is dangerous. Plus, for more than three decades, volunteers around the Midwest have worked to tag monarch butterflies to learn more about their annual journey to Mexico. Something about a monarch that seems to capture the feelings of people. We'll hear how a nonprofit founded in Kansas has helped scientists learn more about monarch butterflies. But first, some headlines. The former Kansas City police detective convicted of killing 26-year-old Cameron Lamb is appealing a court's decision to uphold his conviction. In court documents filed yesterday, Eric DeValconeer says he doesn't believe the Missouri Court of Appeals was correct in its ruling. DeValconeer was found guilty of second-degree involuntary manslaughter and armed criminal action in 2021 for shooting Lamb. Lamb's mother, Lori Bay, says her family is not happy about this next appeal. The appellate court made a decision and there was a warrant that was put out and he's in jail. So that jail is where he should remain. DeValconeer surrendered to Platte County authorities Monday and remains in jail there. He also asked yesterday to be released on bond. It's possible Missouri Governor Mike Parson could pardon DeValconeer. The Kansas child welfare system now confirms staff made five home visits to check on Zoe Felix before she was killed last month in Topeka. Neighbors say they had reported suspected neglect, but the agency didn't take action. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports. The state's foster care system tells the Topeka Capital Journal that workers tried eight times to contact the family of Zoe Felix before she died. Felix was a five-year-old who was raped and killed after her and other relatives were kicked out of their home. There were six total investigations. The mother was drug tested and passed. The Kansas Department for Children and Families offered to help the family improve their living conditions, but the family declined. Some of the allegations of neglect were unsubstantiated by the agency. Someone has been charged in relation to the death. The board that oversees public universities in Kansas plans to review more than two dozen programs that aren't meeting goals for enrollment and other measures. Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports. Over the summer, the Kansas Board of Regents worked with the state's six universities to identify academic programs that are underperforming after five or more years. Officials looked at how many students are enrolled in the program, how many get degrees, and whether graduates find jobs. Regents say that list is being finalized and will include about 30 programs. In coming weeks, university provosts will meet with a Regents committee and make recommendations. They could propose cutting or merging programs or developing a plan for improvement. We'll be back after this. This podcast is looking for good deals on great food, but sometimes we need to grab a bite late at night. What are some of your favorite late night happy hours in the KC Metro? Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. The 
Kansas Department of Corrections has fired two corrections officers and disciplined six for mocking and refusing to help an injured woman incarcerated at the prison in Topeka. The woman, Elizabeth Wince, ended up in the hospital for weeks after her injury got too bad to ignore. It's just another incident in a prison health system that's been fined thousands of times for failing to meet performance metrics. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service broke this story. He joined me to tell me what happened and why. So what happened to Elizabeth Wentz? So Elizabeth Wentz fell and hurt herself. She went to get medical care, but was denied. A few days passed. She was still in pain. She went back to the prison medical clinic, but was denied help again. She had to crawl back to her cell. She was crawling for a few hours. And while she was crawling, officers were mocking her, saying if she wasn't so fat or lazy, she could probably just get up and walk back herself. Why did this end up happening? Well, the reason she was denied care is because the prison medical staff thought she was faking. And the reason she spent so much time crawling is because officers said if any inmate tried to help her, you know, get her a wheelchair, act as a crutch, that inmates helping would get written up, which could mean going to max custody, that could lose time for family visits. So people both didn't want to help her to get in trouble and medical staff thought there was nothing wrong with her. How is Wince doing now? Yeah, so we really don't know. Uh, I had sent a few messages to Wince through the prison messaging system, but she just hasn't gotten back to me. Best we can tell is that she had spent a few weeks getting some type of medical care or being at a hospital or something like that. This all happened in early September. Uh, She was taken to the hospital, hadn't been seen at the prison for a few weeks, and really just kind of got back a few days ago, maybe sometime last week. And if you didn't actually interview Wince, how did you hear about this story? Yeah, so I had to talk with a handful of inmates. Uh, I looked at inmate complaints, got written letters from inmates, had messaged inmates back and forth. Um, There were also people who were, were not in prison who had heard what happened or had kind of been told what was going on. So it was a bunch of just confirming what I'd heard through maybe a half dozen, a dozen different people. And why did people rally around this particular incident? Why were so many people willing to talk about this? There have been a lot of complaints about prison medical care. It's something inmates commonly complain about, even some saying that the prison will basically let someone die before they offer help. And this was just another prime example in their mind of the prison system not helping someone. Here's an inmate who tried multiple times to get care, was seriously injured, was denied care for multiple days, and even when it was pretty evident that she could not walk, she was laughed and mocked at. It wasn't until her foot turned like completely black that officers said, hey, you know, maybe she needs to go to a hospital. So not only was the incident itself uh, pretty abhorrent to those who saw it, but it was also a much deeper, much longer issue of prison medical care just not being great. Last year, you reported on audits of the prison healthcare system. What did those audits find? Those audits track a handful of things, like how often intake health assessments are done, responding to non-emergency sick calls, a bunch of metrics. Uh, It found that Kansas prisons were not always in compliance with things, sometimes reaching 0% compliance at certain prisons doing certain medical tests. It also found that the contractor, Centurion of Kansas, was fined about 5,000 times in the span of a year for just not providing medical care or not meeting the requirements of audits. What do people in prison say about the quality of the health care they receive? Yeah, so they say it's pretty poor and it's really hard, if not impossible, to try to get a second opinion. I've talked with folks who have said they've had 
pretty serious injuries or pretty serious conditions and they've just gotten Tylenol or something basic. And you'll also find a handful of people who say they didn't get medical care, kind of like the Elizabeth Wentz situation. They went to the clinic, they said they were in pain, but they were just written off and it wasn't until things got worse that they eventually got the care they needed, but did it come too late for some people? They say, yeah, my situation got worse and I've just been in pain over it. And what did the Kansas Department of Corrections say in response to this story? They had sent an emailed statement to a bunch of reporters. They didn't mention Elizabeth Wentz's name in that statement and really didn't even mention medical care, but it was pretty clear they were talking about the one incident I'd, ask, I'd been asking questions about. Uh, they said this was an individual moment or an individual lapse by these officers. They said it was these officers acting irresponsibly and clearly unprofessionally. And they also said it was not indicative of some system-wide mistreatment of inmates. That was reporter Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service. The annual monarch butterfly migration is well underway. The insects are due to arrive in Mexico, just in time for the Day of the Dead in early November. For decades, scientists with the nonprofit Monarch Watch have relied on thousands of volunteers to try and figure out the mysteries behind this long distance journey. Harvest Public Media contributor Sheila Brummer has more on the migration of the monarchs through the Midwest. Ooh, ooh, ooh. At DeSoto National Wildlife Refuge near Missouri Valley, everyone in the Ivy Caldwell family oh chases oh. butterflies. He's going to land way up high. There's Mother Lori, up above. Right. Father Julian, and their two sons, 11-year-old Eli and 10-year-old Irvin. I really love butterflies. I loved them since I was little, and I loved catching them. They scamper through the wilderness of a warm Saturday in September, with nets popping out over tall wildflowers through brush and trees. I think it's pretty amazing that you've got adults out chasing butterflies. You want to just grab it like that, just very gently, just like that, okay. Park ranger Peter Ray oversees several late summer outings where volunteers carefully catch and mark each monarch with a tiny sticker before letting them go. There it goes. Adios. <laughs> the goal at the refuge is to tag 300 butterflies this season for researchers to try and follow their path. People who find the tagged insects can enter information with Monarch Watch online. Every creature counts, since only about 1% are ever recorded dead or alive in Mexico. And they're not flying with any other butterfly that has done it. It's an amazing migration. Ranger Ray says a migration of hundreds or thousands of miles. Chip Taylor launched Monarch Watch at the University of Kansas in 1992 to monitor migration east of the Rockies. There's something about a monarch that seems to capture the feelings of people. He wanted to know more. As we knew that the monarchs first reached the overwintering sites in Mexico almost on the same day every year. And how is that possible? So we came up with the idea that maybe this is all synchronized with celestial changes. And it turns out that it is. Through the tagging of more than 2 million butterflies spanning more than 30 years, scientists uncovered more details. A majority come from the Midwest. And size matters. You don't want to be a small pipsqueak here because you don't have the glide power. Taylor says monarch butterfly numbers soared before wide herbicide use and the loss of habitat created a dramatic fall in the 90s. He's seen lower but steady populations during the past decade. Monarchs will always be with us, but we could easily lose this migration unless climate change is abated in some way. Taylor says drought affects the food supply. Hot temperatures can also impact breeding and slow the butterflies down, 
making it difficult sometimes for them to reach Mexico in time. The focus now is to tag those still around. Goodness gracious, this is not as easy as it looks. From veterans to those like the Ivy Caldwell family, we're just learning about the flightful creatures. Trying to catch a moving target can be difficult. These butterflies fly high and fast. They're crafty. They're very crafty. Yeah, they're very crafty. They bagged almost a dozen, if you count the one that got away. And Irvin picked up a few pointers. I learned how to tell a male and female apart. There's dots on the male's wings and none on the female's. It's that type of hands-on experience that thrills Chip Taylor, who at the age of 86 plans a metamorphosis of his own. After volunteering all of these years, he will soon step down as director of Monarch Watch. He set up an endowment to ensure advocacy and appreciation of monarchs lives on. I did. I caught one. <laughs> For Harvest Public Media, I'm Sheila Brummer. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Anna Schmidt, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Blaze's story on Elizabeth Wince and Sheila's story on monarch butterflies, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear why Missouri is allowing bear hunting again. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.